one thing we wanted to do right now is let's just take a moment uh, to pray for... Uh, there's been a lot of uh, Christians in, in uh, Iraq and Egypt that have been murdered recently. Okay, I think there were 20 Christians uh, who were murdered in Egypt uh, yesterday, I think it was. Yeah, so 21 that were killed. They had been to a service, and when they went out the door, they, like a suicide bomber, killed them. And so there's a, a real, a, there's a diabolical, devious plan against believers that are that's, it's increasing uh, in, in other nations, okay? And so we really had to stand with them to, this morning uh, because that's really what's happening in the world today, okay? There's a real attack against Christianity because the real war we see is a spiritual war. Uh, there's this Islamic spirit and there's a spirit of, of, of Christ, and those spirits are not going to cohabitate, I can tell you that now. And so that is a real violence is being released. So, Father, this morning we want to pray. First of all, I want to pray for the families of all those people who were murdered uh, in Egypt and all the people who were murdered in Iraq, the families of those. And we pray for mercy on them. We pray for peace. Lord, I even know, just as you've been praying, there's, that we should specifically pray for uh, the family members who just do not understand and who are angry with you today over the loss of the loved ones, that you would somehow reveal yourself to them and comfort them, Lord, and, and, and help them out of that kind of thinking, Lord. And, Father, we just pray for deliverance. We pray, God, that there would be a, a revival in those nations. We pray for a real Holy Ghost revival a real Holy Ghost revival that would come and squash every spirit that's not uh, in unity with you, Holy Spirit. We just thank you for that today, Lord. And Lord, we pray for ourselves today. You give us wisdom for the days ahead as we uh, are facing a world that is in chaos. And we ask you to give us wisdom and understanding how to live in this world. In Jesus' name. Amen. All righty. Um, so everybody had a great Christmas, right? Yeah. It was sort of nice not having to come to church last week, wasn't it? Note I said having to. Most people don't have to, but I do. I'll be honest with you. But I was sort of glad not to come to church, actually. It was a nice snow day. Yeah. Most pastors have a very difficult time with snow days, I'll be honest with you. Most do. You know, but uh, it was a great day, man. A white Christmas for the first time in my life. Yeah, I never. Yeah, I'm a Southern person, so <laughs> all the Yankees they don't like. Well, a big deal. Hey, I, who's from who's from Chicago in here? Raise your hand. Just raise your hand high. Let me see you. I want to tell you this about Chicago: is there's going to be a revival in Chicago? I've yeah. I've read several major prophetic words from different sources about Chicago, and these people are all getting this independently. And I was really encouraged about the Windy City. Okay? There's a wind of the Holy Ghost that's going to come out of Chicago, and, and it's going to really have an impact on, on our nation. Amen? So I'm not sure when this is going to happen, but I'm, it's going to be soon. So that's, that's exciting to me. Uh, how many people in here... I'm going to do it like this. How many people in here don't deal with fear, insecurity, reluctance, 
or the feeling of loneliness. Anybody here that don't feel, deal with any of those things, raise your hand because we need to get a hold of you right quick and get your anointing on us. Yeah. You know, everybody faces fear. There's not a person on the earth that doesn't. It's part of what we deal with. It's just how some people deal with fear. Everybody doesn't deal with it the right way. But I want to help you this morning. I believe this will help you with all these things. Uh, you know, insecurity, fear, reluctance, the times when you're going to find yourself standing alone. Um, and it's right here. It's a very real uh, clear thing from the Scriptures. Let's look at Ephesians uh, 2, 11 through 12. You know the Lord's going to move when the people of God really start crying out to Him. He's ordained it like that. Okay, it's not that we earn Him to move. He has, when He starts putting in people's... I was really encouraged to hear everybody crying out to the Lord this morning in worship. Did that make you feel encouraged? There's people like, Lord, we need you to move. Lord, bring your fire. Bring your fire, Lord. You know, that tells me the fire's coming. Amen. It's when the people of God start doing it. You know, and I'm seeing more and more people feeling this need for the fire of God to come and... So that's exciting to me. It's going to happen. and Man, that's Corey Mead in church, man. Wow. Give him, let's give Corey a big hand. If anybody can go to the Christmas play, what was the name of that thing? Christmas. The Christmas Carol. Y'all got to go next year and watch Corey. It's worth it just to come and watch him. I'm telling you. For him alone... Now, I had my granddaughter in it, so that sort of helped me a little bit. But just to watch Corey was amazing. I mean, literally amazing. In fact, my point was, what is he doing? He needs to be in, on Hollywood. He's an actor. He's, he's got something. He really does. It's something powerful, man. But I love that. Uh, anyways, this is what it says. Therefore, remember, this is Ephesians 2. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, Dean, sorry, <laughs> who are called uncircumcision, Dean, <laughs> by, we, by what is called the circumcision, Dean. <laughs> I'm just messing with it. Made in the flesh by hands. Get them images out of your mind. <laughs> that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenants of promises, having no hope and without God in the world. First of all, let me just say this, and I'm not going to talk about it this morning. Without, there's no salvation without Israel. And I'm just telling you that now. Israel is an integral part of salvation. And, and it says it right here. There's more in this chapter too, but really, the church has to get a revelation about Israel. Okay? It, there's no salvation without Israel, period. And that, that's really what he's, he's, he says there, but I don't really want to get into that because... There's a lot more in chapter 2 about Israel that we really need to see that can really release the power of God on us. Because did you know this? I will tell you this. The last and greatest revival there will ever be on the earth will be in Israel. It will be in Jerusalem. And, and, and you know, the first revival started in Jerusalem, Pentecost, and it flowed all, the way, all over the world. The last revival, people from all over the world will go to Jerusalem because the Lord's going to be there. Okay, he will set up his kingdom on the earth in Jerusalem. And we're going. We're going to go to Jerusalem and see the Lord. Have you ever thought about that? That the Lord's going to be it. Literally, he's going to be, you know, he's going to come back. And he's going to set up, set up, a, set up headquarters in Jerusalem. So that's sort of important for us. 
Anyways, uh, what I want to talk to you about, the one word he said, everybody say remember. Remember is a really important part of your spiritual life, okay? One thing that I try to do is at the end of every year, about the last month of the year, I really like to start going through in my mind what all the Lord did in my life in the in that year. Like in 2010, I spent the month of December meditating on all the things that the Lord did in my life, good and bad. You know, good things that happened and wonderful and things that didn't seem so wonderful. You know, because you know, because what I want to show you this morning is that what remembering does. Remember, there's, there's a power in remembrance. And people who forget, okay, you find this: people who forget are lukewarm Christians. Okay, you will find the forgetful Christians being the lukewarm Christians. So this is a this is a way, a way for you to stay on fire for God. Uh, this is a way for you to continue following after the Lord. When when the uh, children of Israel first crossed. Uh, into to, across the Jordan into the promised land. The, first, the absolute first thing the Lord told them to do, once they all got across, before the priest left the water, it was still divided. He said, one man from each tribe, this is Joshua 4, one man from each tribe, go get a rock out of that riverbed and bring it and, put, and build a memorial to remember what I did today. And so you can tell your children and your children, this is what the Lord did. Okay, this is what the Lord did. And so what you'll find in the Bible, you'll find over and over, it's all over the Bible where God rehearses what He has done in people's lives. He rehearses it. Deuteronomy's full of it constantly. Moses was constantly saying, the Lord departed the Red Sea, the burning bush. You know, He just went through this thing over and over and over. Uh, for instance, here's a, a, a great instance. The first time there was an open heaven on the earth at Bethel, Okay, Jacob, he set up a monument there to remember what the Lord had done there. Okay, uh, there was a well that, and I think it's Genesis 26, that Isaac dug, and he set up and called, this is Rehoboth, this is the place where God has made a room for us and built a monument there to remember what the Lord had done for them. Switching over to the New Testament, uh, uh, you know, in Luke, no, Acts 7 Stephen, when he was standing before the Sanhedrin, he went through the whole thing, the whole entire history of Israel. In fact, there's a couple things in Acts 7 that you can't, you can't figure it out. You can't figure out the Old Testament unless you read those Acts 7 because he tells us some details that they sort of leave out in the Old Testament that kind of makes it make sense about Abraham. So he rehearses this whole thing. Let me read this one scripture to you, uh, Luke 22:19. This is one of the most powerful scriptures on remembering there is. Uh, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So think about it. Jesus set up a ceremony in the church. That is the only ceremony that I know of that Jesus said that this is something you need to do. You need to do communion, and you need to do it right. And why do you need to do it? Because you need to remember you remember what I did for you at the cross. In other words, you need to always remember the cross, always remember the blood, no matter what happens in your life. And that's why we do communion, is to remember that. And that's really something important to remember. You know, uh, that'll really change your life. Uh, Paul the Apostle, here's the great guy. This guy, have you ever noticed how Paul, in Acts, if you ever read some of his messages that he preached, he would always go back to what God did in his life. He would go back and say, this is what the Lord did. And this is why I'm doing what I'm doing, because of what God did back there in my life. Even when people were begging him 
not to do. I'm talking about his Christian brothers begging him not to, not to go to Jerusalem. He says, I've got to go. I've got to go because this is what God has shown me to do back here. So this is why I'm doing what I'm doing because I have a reason. I'm not just being blown by the wind here, you know, and, and, and changing my mind. Let's look at one other scripture, Mark 8, 18. Uh, this is what Jesus said, you know, when his disciples were sort of, you know, in a mess, uh, wondering why he didn't, you know, they thought they were going, I think they thought they were going to drown, and it was just sort of a bad day for the disciples. You know, have you ever had a bad day, you know, where things didn't seem to work out for you, and the Lord came to them and uh, and started talking to them? It's in Mark 8, it's verse 18, I'm just going to read that one uh, verse, and is after he had done all these uh, miracles, feeding for people, and, and they had all these issues that they were dealing with. Um, and Jesus said this, Having eyes do you not see, and having ears do you not hear, and do you not remember. So it's almost like Jesus started out at the highest level. Okay, like the highest level and spiritually is being there to see spiritually. Okay, it's having revelation and being able to see with the eyes of your heart. He says, do you have eyes? You have eyes, but you can't see. Okay, so you can't see. All right, then, how about let's go down to the next level. You got ears. Can you hear? No, we can't hear. All right, you can do this one thing. You can remember. You see that? And you see, so if you want to go backwards, if you start remembering what the Lord's done, then the next thing that's going to happen is you're going to start hearing the Lord. Now, I'm telling you, this really will work in your life. It really will. Uh, and then once you get into the hearing of the Lord, then you can go up to the next level. You begin to have visions. You begin to start seeing the Lord and, and noticing, recognizing the Lord. Like we prayed, the eyes of our understanding being opened, so we would know the Lord. We would recognize the Lord. That's what it means, recognize. We would recognize Jesus when He's moving, recognize Jesus so you see, what Jesus was saying is like remembering is like a... He puts it with hearing and seeing Him. It's in the same category. Or do y'all get that? Then this is important. This will really help you day in and day out in your spiritual life when things are not good or when you are having a hard time. You, what you do is you go back and you remember what the Lord has shown you. You remember the things that the Lord has, has done in your life. And so I want to encourage you to do that. If you're not doing that, especially if you feel like God never speaks to me, God never shows me anything, okay, think of, go back and remember what He has done. Begin to think about that. Think the, the keys, the greatest keys that I ever got to walking in the Spirit was uh, setting my mind on things above. In other words, I'm going to think about what God either has done or what God's doing instead of thinking about what He's not doing. Because the default position for most people is we're wondering, why, why, Lord, aren't you doing this? Why am I not getting this job? Why am I not getting this healing? Why am I, you know, and we have all these questions. Why did this happen to me? And, and why is a legitimate, I know I've said this before, but I want to say it again. Why is a legitimate question? Because Jesus asked why on the cross. However, he did not live there. He didn't just chew around on that and maul around on that. And see, that's where a lot of Christians, they live in the what God hasn't done and what God's not doing. They live, that's where they live, and, they, and, and so they're stuck in a miserable Christian life. And they're missing the things that God is doing. So 
the, the best way is to be able to see what God's doing and keep that in your, in your thinking, keep that before you. But if you can't even connect with that, then you think, well, I know these are the things the Lord did for me. And that's why Jesus said to remember the cross. I mean, we can all remember the cross. We can say, I remember. Jesus saved me. You know, I've got that going for me. If I don't have anything else going for me, Jesus died for me. He forgave me. And He brought me into the kingdom. That's a real, sounds like a real basic thing, but if that's all you got, that's a pretty good thing to have. So I really want to encourage you this morning to become a rememberer. And, you know, so just go back in your life and play through those things in your mind. Another thing I think is really important to remember is words, like prophetic words, prophetic promises God has given you. How many people have got prophetic promises from God that have never been answered? Raise your hand. How many of you who got your hand raised, do you go back and review those on some level? Some See, that's a good thing to do, to go back and remember, okay, the Lord told me this. I've got it wrote down in my journal. Or I've got a, got a sheet of paper somewhere. i got it in my computer. And I'm going to go back. So when you're sitting around and you're bored or you're miserable, you go back. All right, this is what the Lord said about me. This is what the Lord said about my children. This is what the Lord said about my calling. This is, this is what God said. I'm going to think about that. Okay, Lord, this is what you said. Now, where am I at with that? What do I need to do about that? Am I cultivating that? Am, you know, do I need to do something? There's something you're asking me to do. And when you begin to do that, that's setting your mind on things above. That's setting your, getting your mind into the spiritual world. And when your mind's in the spiritual world, everything looks different and your life looks different. It really does. I mean, okay. So I've just finished that part of the message. I want to go back and talk about what Paul said here, though, because he said something a little bit different here. He, and what I read in Ephesians, he's saying, remember when you were not even a believer. Remember, remember when you were separated from Christ. Remember when you, you were messed up. And when I first read it, I thought, well, that can't, obviously that can't be right, Lord. Because you said in Philippians to forget things from behind. You said in Colossians to set my things on my mind on things above. What's the deal with Paul? He wrote Colossians and Philippians too. Did he have schizophrenia that day? And was he just messed up? No, there's a value in, in this type of remembrance, okay? And especially for believers like you. Okay, believers that God is about to do something in your life. Believers that, that are going to enjoy the blessings of the Lord. Y'all are those people, right? I'm not ashamed to say I'm into the blessing thing. I'm not ashamed to say I'm believing that God's going to prosper me. That God's going to do great things in my life because God has decided to do that. So this, but this is where this kind of remembering will protect you. And help you because God wants to protect us from ourselves, believe it or not. He really wants to protect you from us because a lot of people have been blessed and their blessings destroyed them. Have you, you know what I'm talking about? Their blessings. Uh, actually, I want to tell you about this. I had this dream about some people. And these people have went through this tremendous hardship. A tremendous hardship. And got through it. It was like they, they got through it. They passed it. They, were, they had a great victory. And their leader fell into adultery. Just like that. Right at the place 
where God was going to really, you know, you went through all this, you passed the test, you went through all this hard stuff, and then you fail. And see, a lot of, lot, if you look back in history, a lot of people fall right after they had a victory. You know, right at the place where victory was, there's a falling that happens. You, you see that over and over in the Bible. So God wants to protect us from that. He's concerned about us about that because God really wants to bless us, but He's not going to curse us with His blessing. So let me just read the, a couple of scriptures to you. Are y'all still there? Because y'all are going to... I believe this church is going to get blessed. I really do. I know the Lord has a... He has promises over this church. Okay? He really does. And it has nothing to do with anybody in here, obviously. <laughs> it has something to do with Him. He made a decision. That, that's what it is. God made decisions. There's people in this room, you got promises over you that seem ridiculous. Like, how could that be? Well, it is ridiculous. But God is saying, I've made that decision, and I want to really do something. I want to use you, whatever it may, whatever area. Okay, whatever area of your life. It could be spiritual. It could be in the natural. God wants to do something in people. He really wants to bring blessings. Okay, that's, so I want you to get that. But this is, this is what happened uh, to me. Okay? I was at a point in my life at one, one time where I was in absolute despair in my heart. Okay? I was absolutely felt like an absolute failure. I, in fact, I was an absolute failure. Everything that I had ever attempted to do, everything that I believed God had called me to do, it had just crumbled before me. It, I, everything was a failure. I was a failure. And I had this despair in my heart because I felt that I had this calling in my life and, and it felt like nothing was working. And and. It just, I was brokenhearted over it. Honestly, I was broken. I was brokenhearted. I was weeping over it constantly. I was messed over it constantly. Becky would say, you get up in the morning, I can tell you're messed up by the way your feet hit the ground. The way you walk, I can tell you're messed up. And I went through a long period of time. Like, anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, she was smart like the dogs. You know, my dogs used to could know who comes into the, up the steps of the porch. They would tell by if it was uh, me or Becky or one of the kids, they knew our footsteps, you know. And that was the way she was. I had this, this depressed, beat-down footsteps that I'd get up in the morning because I was so unfulfilled in my life and my, all the things that I believed God had for me were, was going nowhere. I know there's people in this room that probably feel that way today, you know. But So I was one morning driving to work, and I had a pretty good thing going in the natural, but it was other things that I felt God had spoke to me that wasn't working. But in verse 4 of Ezekiel 16, and this is, it says, As for your nativity, on the day you were born, your navel cord was not cut, nor were you washed in water to cleanse you, and you were not rubbed with salt nor wrapped in swaddling clothes. And that's what they used to do to babies back then. And it's like this baby was born... And nobody cared about the baby. Okay? Nobody cared about the baby. Nobody was there to take care of the baby. Okay? And that's the way I felt at that time. Okay? No eye pitied you. Anybody feel that? To do any of these things for you. To have compassion on you. But you were thrown out into an open field when you yourself were loath on the day that you were born. 
Well, I was driving to work that morning. I was so messed up in my heart that I saw myself as a little infant laying in a pool of my own blood. That's how I saw myself. And I was dying. I thought, I'm dying. I'm going to die. I mean, that's getting down pretty low when you feel that way. And then, but something happened to me, okay? And when I passed by you, this is speaking of the Lord, and saw you struggling in your own blood, I said to you in your blood, live. Yes, I said to you in your blood, live. And that morning, the Lord spoke that scripture to me. He said to me, Byron, live. Live. And when he said that to me, something came into me. Life came into me. Something changed on the inside of me at that moment. So suddenly I had this hope that come alive in me. Something changed. Nothing on the outside changed. Nothing changed. Something changed on the inside of me. God said, he spoke into me, and when he did, his life came into me. And where I was absolutely right at the end, in total despair, there was a turn that happened to me at that day. I, that's, I can't explain it other than that. That's all it is. Live, live. And then it says, I made you thrive like a plant in the field. And you grew, matured, and became very beautiful. Isn't that cool? I became very beautiful. <laughs> Y'all ain't getting that. I'd prefer, I told the Lord, listen, you can have this one. Your breasts were formed. <laughs> That's for somebody else, Lord. <laughs> However, I will take this next one. Your hair grew. <laughs> and I'm still waiting on that. Come on, Lord. I had hair at one time. In fact, I may have had hair then. But I don't now, so I'm saying, come on, let's get this going again. <laughs> Anyways, but you were naked and bare. And when I passed by you again, and this is speaking of a, a passage of time, and looked upon you, indeed your time was the time of love. Well, that means, you know, the person had grown up, and it's time for them to be married, and so on. So I spread my wing over you and covered your nakedness. And that's just speaking of the Lord, really. Isn't that just awesome? Yes, I swore an oath to you and entered into a covenant with you, and you became mine. You became mine. We sang that this morning, says the Lord God. Then I washed you in water. Yes, I thoroughly washed off your blood, and I anointed you with oil. I clothed you in embroidered cloth and gave you sandals of badger skin. I clothed you with fine linen and covered you with silk. And that speaks of God really blessing somebody and God really taking care of somebody and really doing for them what's in his heart to do. See, I want you to get this. This is what God wants to do for people. This is what his heart is. God, God is not a stingy God. God is not a God who wants to withhold. He is a God who really desires with all his heart to cover us, to bless us, to prosper us. I adorned you with ornaments, put bracelets on your wrists and a chain on your neck, and I put a jewel in your nose, earrings in your ears, and beautiful crown on your head. Thus you were adorned with gold and silver, and your clothing was of fine linen, silk, and embroidered cloth. You ate pastry of fine flour, honey, and oil. You were exceedingly beautiful and succeeded, and, and succeeded to royalty. Your fame went out among the nations because of your beauty, for it was perfect through my splendor which I bestowed on you, says the Lord God, which the Lord bestowed. You see, that's really the heart of the Father. He wants to bring us to a place where He can bestow His beauty on us and bestow all these things upon us. But you 
trusted in your own beauty. You trusted in your own beauty and played the harlot because of your fame and poured out your harlotry on everyone passing by who would have it. So you see, when Paul was saying you've got to remember, you've got to remember that day you were in the pool of blood. Because if you don't remember that, the day will come when you will forget. And suppose that you were a successful businessman in your corner office, driving down the road off to work and seeing the laborers on the construction site and looking at them like, what's their problem? They can't do any better than that. Or suppose you're the successful mom with a house full of children and you look at the barren woman and say, what's her problem? Or suppose you're the successful preacher and you look at your friend down the street who's struggling just to, just to keep the doors of his church open. What's his problem? You can just go on, on and on and on and on and on and on and down the list. You see, this is why Paul said you've got to remember you got to remember the day you were choking in your blood. You don't ever forget that day because if you do, this is what you're going to do. It's, it's Proverbs 18:23. A poor man pleads for mercy, but a rich man answers harshly. And see, there comes a time when God blesses people and they become rich and they become just so blessed in their life. And they begin to treat people badly. They begin to answer people harshly. And they forget that the only reason they have what they have is because God blessed them and God gave it to them. They forget where they started. I can remember one time, I'm telling on myself, there was a ministry that was real successful and I was angry at them because they treated people so bad. And I told them, I told the leaders, like, y'all are, are doing this. Y'all got to stop doing it or God's going to take your blessing away from you. You're answering people harshly. You're treating people bad. And then the Lord spoke to me one day, Byron, you're doing the same thing. What you said they did, you do. You, you did that. You did the same thing. You need to repent. You see, what we had to do is, is what Paul was trying to tell us. That he was telling us one of the greatest, greatest secrets about remembering. All that God's done. You see, this is, if you caught this when I was reading through it, that was all that God did. And God was rehearse, rehearsing it with Israel. And rehearsing it with us. This is what I've done for you. I've done all these things for you. Think about what I did for you. Think about that. But also... Remember where you started from. Remember how messed up you were. Remember how lost you were. Remember how you had nothing. And if you'll do that, when the day of prosperity and the day of beauty comes, when the day when God really blesses and adorns you, you won't forget. You won't rise up in your heart. You'll stay humble. You know, you'll stay humble. And that's really what God's really trying to, to teach us, how to stay humble. Because God is really interested in humility, a lot more interested in humility than we are. But He's saying, if you really want to walk in all my blessings, if you want everything that I have for you, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to humble yourself and you're going to have to stay humble. You're going to have to live a life of humility. This is an important point. Uh, I'm not going to get, read it this morning, but Psalm 45, I encourage you to read it. It's for us this year. And this is what it starts out. Psalm 45 it talks about grace being upon the lips of the Lord. It's the, it's the year of the lion. It's, uh, grace being upon the lips of the Lord. It says, my heart's filled with a good theme. I, my tongue is like the pen of a ready writer. Grace is upon your lips, Lord. And then it says, ride forth 
for the cause of humility. For the cause of humility, justice, and righteousness. That's the cause that God has in this time. Humility, justice, and righteousness. And that's really what God's riding forth for. That to Him, humility is a cause. Humility is something that the body of Christ has to have. Because God really wants to bring a revival to the church. He wants to bring the Holy Ghost fire. He really does, but He wants us to stay humble in it. He wants us to remain humble no matter how much we're blessed. He wants to bless the business people. He wants to, you know, he wants to bless them and do all these things in our lives, but He wants us to stay humble. And remember, and, and this is what Paul was saying, this is how you can stay humble. Keep going back and remembering the day you were in that pool of blood and nobody cared about you. Nobody would even take the time to cut your cord. Nobody would even take the time to do the things the baby needs done for them. Nobody would do that. You were forgotten and you were neglected. But the Lord saw you and the Lord spoke life into you. Don't forget that day. Are y'all following this? All right, Lamentations three nineteen through 24. Can I read just one more verse to you? Ooh, mercy, Lord. So what we're trying to do is say we're going to start out 2011 by humbling ourselves and, and valuing humility and saying... You know, well, we do like the culture of revival. Uh, we like the culture of the presence of the Lord. How about let's have a culture of humility in the church? You know, how about that becoming like a value? Like we value people being humble. We, like, we value leaders that are humble. We want our leaders to be humble. We say, leaders, you need to be humble. If you start acting like, like you're cool, we don't want that. We want you to be humble. We want you to not keep remembering you know, I mean, that's the kind of things the church needs to value. And, and that way, it'll keep us from getting on the high horse. And then God has to let us fall off the high horse. There's been enough of that in the church. But I'm going to do Lamentations three nineteen through 24. But I'm going to do it in the, these verses in the Message Bible. Okay? Now, if I, every Christian should take Lamentations chapter 3 and meditate in it. This Lamentations 3 is written by Jeremiah. And it's when Jerusalem had fallen... And he was absolutely crushed over it. He, and he himself was crushed. It, it sort of is a kind of a rough ch chapter. I just wanted to read the first verse. I don't have that there. Just to sort of give you an idea of what I'm asking you to do. But this really will, it really can help you. Well, there's some kind of book called Lamentations in the Bible. I know it is. It's somewhere. It's right after Jeremiah. Yeah, here it goes. There's only three chapters. That's the problem with it. But this is what it says in verse 3-1. I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. Uh, verse 2 says, He has led me and made me walk in darkness, not in light. Surely he has turned his hand against me time and time again throughout the day. He has aged my flesh and my skin and has broken my bones. He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and woe. Now, that, uh, some people just reject all that. That can't be God. Well, this is in the Bible. This is Jeremiah, a prophet of God talking. Okay? This is what he went through in his life. And Christians are going to go through times. If you're a young Christian, I hate to tell you this. Not really. I want you to know this. You are going to go through a Lamentations 3 experience in your life at some point where you are going to feel crushed in your life. Okay? And, it, and I'm going to say this. This is the best thing that can ever happen to you. I just want you to know that. I want you to know that it's the best thing that can ever happen to you because God can never use a person who has it. 
He could never really trust a person who hasn't been crushed. Don't ever follow a person who hasn't been crushed. Don't trust them because they're going to lead you astray eventually. Because a crushed person, God can get their attention real quick. And you see, that's what happened. This man was crushed. I mean, absolutely crushed in his life. Okay? Absolutely crushed. Now, a lot of people get angry with the Lord when they go through this. Just don't do it. You know, I want to say this to you. When I went through my Lamentations 3 thing, I cursed God back. I shook my fist at God. And I used to tell people, well, it's okay to do that. You know, but I mean, I've come to a place in my life, I just don't think that's okay, okay? That I am really sorry I did that because the Lord did not deserve me to curse Him because He was only loving me and doing what was best for me. I just didn't understand. I was too immature and stupid. So now I have changed my position. If I've told you it was okay to do it, I'm sorry I told you I was wrong. Don't curse the Lord. Don't curse Him. Now, it's okay to ask the Lord why. Did I already say that? Okay, I'm saying it again. Just get out of the why. Move on from the why. And be willing to do this. Be willing to do this with the Lord, okay? Be willing to do this. There's some things He's just not going to tell you. And be willing to say, okay. You don't have to tell me. I'm still going to follow you. I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to sell out to you. Whether you ever answer it in my life. Because you're worthy whether you answer my questions or not. And I'm willing to live with, with this mysterious thing about you. That seems like an anomaly. That why did you let this happen when you could have stopped it? It goes against who you really are. I don't understand that, Lord. And we're all going to have those things in our lives. But just what I want to encourage you to do is, is let the grace of God come. Because you can't not curse Him. I'll just be honest with you. You can't not curse Him if you have, unless you have grace. Grace is what sustains you and gets you through. Grace is the key on this. this. Are you okay? Anyways. Uh, anyway, so what happened when I was in my Lamentation 3 life? Crushed. This was separate from the Ezekiel time. You get to go through some stuff. But you know what? I just want to say this. I look back at my life. I'm so thankful for all the bad stuff I went through. I'm thankful for what God did in my life. I don't regret stuff. I'm just saying, man, Lord, I, all that is what makes you who you are. That's, who, that's what, how God forms you and makes you. It's all this stuff if you don't become a bitter, hard person. And so many Christians become bitter and hard. So many, so many. If you don't become bitter and hard, you are in the minority, I'm telling you. There is a world of bitter Christians out there. There's a world of displaced Christians out there because God didn't do what He was supposed to do. And they got angry with Him. And they got angry with the church. And they got angry with their brothers. They got angry with everybody. And what God is just looking for some people who can say, oh, you're going to go through some things. You're not going to understand it. It's going to be bad. But trust me, I'm with you. I love you. Just keep, hang on to that. And that's what got us through it. Is this, these scriptures. In the midst of the worst absolute moment of my life, when I said, Lord, I, this is no way this is going to work out. And I'm just sick of this. I hate my life. And I hate everybody. And I hate the people who helped me get into this place. That's how bad I was. And I hate you. I mean, I was just full of hate. And this is what the Lord, He gave me, gave me this scripture. And actually gave me and Becky this scripture at the same day 
differently, and we didn't even know probably there was such a thing as Lamentations. Who could, who would even want to read a book called Lamentations? I mean, you know, that's, I, that was one of the books you avoided in the Bible, right? Do y'all avoid stuff in the Bible? I mean, there's certain verses like, oh, I think I'll read around that one. I don't like that story. Let's forget that's in the Bible. We'll deal with that on another day. Surely there's something good in there, but I ain't seeing it. Anyways, this is what the Lord said. This, but I'm going to read it to you out of the message, which we didn't have in those days. In fact, we just barely had nearly inspired version. It was still fresh and new. Yeah. Actually, that was the first pres- Christmas present I got from Becky, was a new international version, uh, New Testament. That was all they had out, the very first one. I still got it. Anyways, it's still nearly inspired. I'll never forget the trouble. That's what he's, this is a message. I'll never forget the trouble, the utter lostness, the taste of ashes, the poison I've swallowed. I remember it all. Oh, how well I remember the feeling of hitting bottom. Anybody hit bottom? That's a hard bottom. When you hit bottom, you know I hit bottom a couple times in my life. And it, this is what it felt like both times. It felt like I was on a two-story house and I fell to a concrete floor. That's what it felt to me spiritually. I felt like spiritually I broke apart and I fell a thousand pieces. That's the way I felt like a, like a person would feel if they were in a two-story house and they fell off into a concrete drive. I felt that spiritually. That's what hitting bottom feels. It's hard and it hurts really bad and you feel like you're going to die. But there's one thing I remember, and remembering, I keep a grip on hope. And this is what got me through those, both those times in my life when I hit the bottom, when I was absolutely in despair, that this hope that got me back into hope. God's loyal love couldn't have run out. The other translation says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. So when I saw the Lord... You still love me at this worst moment. You still love me. And there's no end to your love. A revelation of His love is what it was. His merciful love couldn't have dried up. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're created new every morning. How great your faithfulness. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So, have you ever sinned before you went to bed? And you woke up the next morning and you felt like dirt because you sinned. This is what you do. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never comes to an end. It's new every morning. I choose love and mercy for my life today. I'm not going to let what I did yesterday stop me. And if you'll do that, it works. You just, Lord, forgive me. I'm choosing love and mercy. Is that good? I'm sticking with God. Verse 24, I say it over and over. I'm sticking with God. He's all I got left. He's all I got left. He's all I got left. And you see, that's really what this person did. He came to the bottom. He came, and see, and he remembered that. 
He remembered it. He remembered the feeling of it. He remembered the taste of it. He remembered it. And see, a person like that, God can bless, God can enrich, God can empower, God can do all these things because the moment they start feeling a little bit proud, this taste comes in their mouth. And they go back to a day where that taste of ashes, that taste of poison comes in their mouth. And you know, like, wait, this is not about me. This is, this is nothing but the blessings of God. This is nothing but the favor of God. This has nothing to do with me. And see, that's why you, if you can get a hold of this this morning, God, you, you can be a person that God can really bless. You can be a person that God can really use. You can be a, God, a person that God can really prosper. Because he, it won't destroy you. Because He's not going to prosper us and bless us if it's going to destroy us. Because He loves you too much to destroy you. He just loves you too much. You see what I'm saying? Y'all got an awful quiet on me. All righty. So that's how, you, that's how you overcome fear. It really is. That's how you overcome feeling reluctant to do what God's called you to do. You remember. God wants to remind people this morning of promises He's made over your lives so you can get that fire back in you again. This is what the Lord told me. This is what He said He was going to do. I'm going to remember that. You know, and then some of us, He really wants to remind us, listen, I'm about to bless you. I'm about to really do something really good in your life. Uh, just remember the pool of blood I poured you out of. Don't ever forget that. If you won't forget that, you're going to be safe. You're going to be okay. It's God's protection for us. And I'm really believing this. I'm believing this for this church. And this is why I believe this for this church. If God doesn't start blessing churches and churches don't get on fire, what is going to happen to our country? It's not going to be good. We need God to do this. We need to be blessed. We need His glory to come on us. We really do. So let me pray for you. Okay? Yeah, some of you have gone some really rough times in 2010. Okay? Well, the Lord was in it with you. You know, He was in it with you. Father, I just want to pray. If you're a person who last year, last couple of years, just about took you out, raise your hand. I know there's people like, Father, you see these. Keep them up before the Lord. Lord, you see these hands this morning. It's the enemy. what the enemy meant for evil, you meant for good. This is what I want to say to you. Uh, you're going to come into a place where you're going to hear God. You're going to hear, hear this, this Scripture come alive in your life. God meant it for good. That's going to happen in your life. God meant it for good. And you're going to believe that. And you're going to see, because Joseph said that. The person who was crushed, the person who was misused, and he said it. He spoke the word of the Lord. God, and you're going to speak the word of the Lord over your life, over what's happened to you, and you're going to be able to say, God meant it for good. God meant it for good. And when you say that, the truth is it's going to be the truth because there's going to be prosperity and there's going to be fruitfulness for you. There's going to be prosperity and fruitfulness. God meant it for God's going to bring you to that place where you'll be able to say, over all these things that happened to you. And I'm going to tell you something. There's some people in this room that had some really bad stuff happen to them. I mean, some really bad stuff. Some of you have been real betrayed. And the enemy's afflicted some of you. There's been some loss. There's been some awful stuff. Father, you see these hands. I pray, pray for them. I just ask you, Lord, I pray for an impartation this morning of the steadfast love of the Lord that they would see your mercy today. And that they would not only remember the bad, Lord, that they would begin to remember the goodness of the Lord. Just release that. 
And let this time come to an end. Let 2011 be a time of victory. Time of God meant it for good. God meant it for good. Thank you, Lord. Just release that right now. Just release that in this room right now. Well, you know, during worship, the Lord was, there was an impartation moment. Did y'all catch that? Where there was an impartation coming? It was coming on the minds. Okay? One of the things that God wants to do, uh, and I don't know what all this impartation was. I know it's grace. But one of the things is, is God wants to break addictions. I just know He does. And He wants to heal people's minds of addictions. Because literally in your mind, when you get an addiction, your mind literally gets rewired. Okay, that's been that's doctor, you know, medical science. Where you get addicted to something, and God wants to rewire your mind this morning. He wants to undo the addictive thing that's got into your mind. And you can be it could be for substance abuse, you know, for drugs, or for prescription drugs, or alcohol, or pornography, or sex, or there's just myriads of things that you could be addicted to. God wants to set you free. And He wants to do something in your mind. I feel that. that He wants to do something in your mind today where there will be a shift in your mind. Some people in this room are addicted to sorrow. You've been so, you've just lived in in sorrow so much. That's what you're addicted to. You feel comfortable with it. It's like a crutch to you. And God just really doesn't want that for you. He wants to set you free. And that's really what we're, I'm just saying, listen, we've got to stand up in our lives and begin to contend for what God has for us and not get sucked down the drain with the rest of the world. And some of you are being, I just saw that. I just saw a drain. You know how you open your kitchen drain if you've washed the dishes or something and the water's doing that, going down the drain? I just saw that. That's going down the drain. And God is saying, you are not supposed to be going down that drain. That is not what He has for you. He wants to liberate you from going down the drain. Now, probably nobody's going to answer an altar call to, I'm going down the drain. <laughs> One of the things I feel that's really strong, I know it's getting late, but is, is this, about the hope thing, okay? Hope in the wrong thing is wrong hope. Okay? If we're hoping in the economy, and I hate to say this because I want the economy to get good. I'm not speaking against the economy because God uses it. But God is, is trying to wean us off of being so dependent on natural things that we put our hope so much in them. And when they don't come through for us, like, well, the economy's going to get good again, everything's going to be good, the standard of living's going to be back. What if it don't? And we put our hope in it. And God has said, don't put your hope in those things. Get your hope in me. The Lord wants to shift our hope to Him. Here's the legacy we need to leave for our children. Now, this really is right. Everybody talks about leaving a legacy. This is what I want for my grandchildren, that they would know how to go into the spiritual realm and get what they need there. Because there is a day when the economy will collapse completely. That's in the Bible, right? And we won't even be able to buy food, right? Isn't that what the Bible teaches, something like that in Revelation? Somebody, some Christian, somebody in my family, that's going to happen to them. It may be me and you, or it may be my children or my grandchildren. This is what I want to leave them. It won't matter because you'll know how to go into heaven and get food to live on. You'll know how to go into heaven and get water to drink. You'll be able to go into heaven and find what you need. And that's a legacy that we could leave our families. It's putting our hope in that. Now, I know that just sounds so... It could sound like, well, that's not practical. It's very practical. 
It's very practical that we begin to tap into the heavenly realm ourselves and learn as much as God will allow us to learn and pass that along to our families. And hopefully they're going to build on it and grow on it and have a lot more than, than me. I want my grandchildren to be just so far beyond me spiritually like that. Grandpa was in, he was a dang, duh, you know, what was his problem? <laughs> he couldn't do this. That's what I want my grandchildren to say. And so we have to begin to shift. I want, you, I want you to do this this morning. I want you to say, Lord, I want you to teach me how to hope in you. Teach me how to hope in you. Teach me how to hope in you. That I would hope in you, not in this world. And show me areas where I'm, i got too much hope in this world. That I'm leaning too much on this world instead of, instead of the you, Lord. And the Lord will do that for you. And I, here's where I like to end. I like, Angel, would you come here and pray that prayer over us? Because I know you have a real revelation on hope. And just pray that revelation of true hope would come on this body. Um, while he's going through the Lamentations 3, I went right back to the emergency room bed when, when they told me that he was gone. And I just know that the breath of God came into me that's what hope is it's that breath of God came into me that I could take even my next breath because I was so at that bottom of being crushed and it's a real thing hope is living he is living and that breath mm. Lord just release that breath of hope to come into our body right now God Lord over all of those things that have taken us to the bottom. Lord, I just pray, God, that you would begin filling our hearts with your hope, Lord, that our circumstances may not ever change, Lord, but you have something new for us every moment that we're alive, Lord. You have living hope to come into us, God. Just blow, Lord. Blow your breath, Lord. Lord, we just want to breathe you in right now, God. Oh, Lord, we just thank you for that living breath of hope that you have for us, God, for our future. Lord, you have a future for us and a hope, God. You know our final outcome, Lord, and you created us to be worshipers of you, no matter what happens, God. And we need hope for the future, Lord, that we face of impossible situations, Lord. Lord, I ask for every heart in here today, God, that's in despair. Lord, that you would release hope to them today, God, that it's not just a word. Lord, it's living, God. It's you coming into their mind and their spirit, God. Just come. We just want to be a people that worship you. We want to worship you, God. We want to see you high and lifted up over everything that's brought us down. Ooh, will y'all stand with me right now? Let's just go up. Let's just go up together before his throne. Just lift your voices right now. Just begin to lift your voice. Join with heaven right now. We want to join with the angels and the hosts of 
Lord, that you have overcome, that in this world we will have tribulations, we will have trials, Lord, but you've overcome, you've overcome it all, God. Let us grab hold of that victory that you have for us, God, that we are not beat down, Lord, but we are lifted up with you, God, and we're going forth, Lord. Worship you, God, in spirit and in truth. Oh, we want to be your burning ones, God. Snatch from the fires of this world. You've taken those ashes from our lives. Thank you, Lord. What a great way to start off the new year, huh? You know, and I just really want to encourage you this week, too, is to take moments to just go into the heavenly realm. The Lord was so emphasizing to me, you know, like soaking prayer and imaginative prayer is not a fad. You know, it's not something that God was doing in a season and now He's not. It's something, it's really, I hate to use this word, but it's a spiritual discipline. I realize I can't, I really can't live my Christian life spiritually very well without taking time to just soak, which is what, just sit, just worship at His feet, just sit there, don't say anything, just let the presence of God come, pray in the Spirit as we just were. I just encourage you, if you're new here, like I encourage you, take time just to let the presence of God soak you. Put on some worship music and some, some whatever, some instrumental music. Just let the presence of God soak you and then let go on your journey with God from that place. Because you're ascending into the heavenly realm to live from heaven in the earth. Amen? That's exactly right. Here's how I want to end. We want to pray for the sick. So, But first I want to read this scripture to you and, and do this one little exercise with you. Because Psalm 45 really is important this year. Okay, but this is one of the things it says. You, this is talking about the Lord Jesus. You are fairer than the Pharaoh, than the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. So the key is having grace upon our lips. One of the things that's going to happen to you is your words are going to have a lot more authority than they've ever had. Okay, a lot, and that's awesome. To be able to speak to disease, to be able to speak to finances, to be able to speak to situation. But if you misuse your words, if you're critical and you're speaking wrongly, it's going to bring judgment on you. Worse than ever because you're, you're speaking on behalf of the Lord. Okay? So it's imperative that we have this grace upon our lips. Okay? And God, this is what the Lord told me uh, yesterday. He says, I want to kiss you. I want to kiss you with grace. I want to take my lips and put my lips on you. And that can get weird if you're a guy, you know, get real weird. But it ain't weird. It ain't like, you know. What... But it is the Lord kissing us and putting this grace upon our lips. And because of it, we'll be blessed. That's the key to a blessing. Grace upon our lips. And we can begin to speak grace. And it'll cause blessings to flow 
upon us, upon people around us. Amen. So let's just get a bit. If you're brave, you can just put pucker your lips to the Lord. I mean, just just kiss me, Lord. Kiss me, kiss me, kiss me. Kiss my lips. Dude, you can kiss all over me, Lord. Just kiss me, God. I want to be kissed with grace. I want my life marked by the grace of God. So, Jesus, kiss me. Just kiss me today. Let the lips, my lips, let there be grace upon my lips, Lord. Your grace upon my lips. Just invite the Lord to do that right now. Just receive that. Oh, yeah. And you know humility is the key to getting grace. It's humbling yourself. And it's the key to, key, key to keeping grace. So just one more time. Let's just give the Lord a big kiss. Doesn't that feel good? Amen. So if you're sick, come up here for prayer. A couple of words of knowledge people got was, uh, first of all, I think it's called mesothelioma. You know that thing with asbestos exposure and cancer. If you or somebody in your family or somebody you know has that, you want to come stand in for them, we want to. We believe that the word of the Lord is going to come just heal that thing. And then also another one was uh, chronic bronchitis, just constant bronchial issues. But if you're sick, just come on up here and we want to lay hands on you and see God heal you. So... Be blessed.